from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. Kennedy Classics. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. There is no question that America teeters on the precipice of socialism. There are numerous major party candidates now openly proclaiming themselves to be socialist and receiving popular support, and several were sworn in to the new Congress last month. But why is socialism so wrong? You will hear many politicians who will selectively quote the Bible as their justification for socialistic policies. But far from being a biblical idea, socialism is actually radically anti-biblical. What does the Bible really say about socialism and why is it so dangerous? Karl Marx, the father of socialism, based his philosophy explicitly on atheistic principles. Socialism violates one key biblical commandment after another and it's an idea that is in no way supported in the Bible. To explain more, here now is Dr. D. James Kennedy with his key message, Does the Bible Teach Socialism? Let us answer the question, Does the Bible Teach Socialism? Now, whenever you hear people make that claim, they invariably will appeal to one passage from Acts, the fourth and fifth chapter, dealing with Ananias and Barnabas. Barnabas, you recall, sold a piece of land and brought and gave it to the apostles and then Ananias and his wife sold a piece of land, emulating them, but kept back part of the price and brought only a portion of it and lied about it. But they say that this passage contains within it all of the basic principles of socialism. Well, I would like to submit to you as a thesis this morning that not only does this passage not teach the principles of socialism, but that it countermands all of the various tenets, the basic fundamental tenets of socialism, and is a, an unparalleled broadside against the socialist ship of state. I do not see how one could have a more explicit repudiation of socialism that is, than that is found in this very passage. So we will go right to the citadel of that passage which the proponents of socialism claim to have found in the Bible which teaches socialism to see if indeed it does or if it teaches, as I propose, the very opposite of socialism, its antithesis. Well, the basic concept of socialism is either that the state owns or controls property or the means of production. That is, that socialism basically denies the concept of private property. One of the early French socialists, Proudhon, in the last century made his famous declaration that property is theft. Quite an interesting statement indeed. 
and uh, Marx and Engels and all of the rest invade mightily against the concept of private ownership or control of the means of production. Well, what does the Bible say? In the Decalogue alone, the Ten Commandments, I think we have the repudiation of this, the commandment, thou shalt not steal. As virtually every theologian for 20 centuries has declared, is a divine guarantee of private property. I cannot steal something from you if you do not own it. Furthermore, in the Decalogue, we even have a command that thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house or anything that is thy neighbor's. Again, a clear teaching of private property. But let's come to this passage that we have before us. Is private property repudiated or is it, is it taught? Notice what Peter said to Ananias. While this property remained, this land remained, was it not thine own? It is difficult for me to imagine any clearer statement of the ownership of property than that. While it remained, before you sold it, was it not your own? Did you not own it? Could you not do with it whatever you will? And even after you sold it, was not the money your own? He says secondarily, showing him that he even had the control of that which he had earned in the sale. Today, government tax collector would have a lot to say about who owns what you made in that sale. But the scripture says that while it, when it was sold, it was his own. So we see that the Bible clearly teaches the right of private property because God has given the whole world unto mankind as a stewardship which is his to use and for which he is responsible to God. Secondly, we note that this action was voluntary. They didn't have to sell their property. There was no commandment to sell their property. There was no commandment to give the funds away. But they decided to do it. There was great grace that was upon them. And being so overwhelmed by the grace of God working mightily in their hearts, they did this out of the abundance of their concern. It was voluntarism. Now, I cannot imagine anything that militates more strongly against modern concepts of socialism than voluntarism. I have not the slightest objection to any group of people anywhere who want to get together and voluntarily engage in any form of socialism that they care to do. It is the fact of enforcement. It is the fact of coercion that lies at the very heart of every socialistic scheme in modern centuries. Thirdly, and I don't know which of these principles indeed militates more mightily against modern concepts of socialism. The money, they sold the property and they brought the money and they laid it at the feet of Pontius Pilate. Is that correct? They laid it at the feet of Caesar. Is that correct? They brought it to the local tax collector. No, what does it say? It says it a number of times. They laid it 
at the apostles' feet. Now, I can think of nothing more perfectly designed to give Karl Marx apoplexy than the idea that people should sell all of their property and bring the money and give it to the church. If there is anything which is antithetical to the whole spirit of modern socialism, it is precisely that. And yet people have the incredible temerity to say that this passage teaches modern state socialism. Nothing indeed could be farther from the truth than that. And fourthly and lastly, we might point out that this spontaneous outburst that took place in Jerusalem in the giving and holding of things in common was never repeated anywhere else nor was it ever commanded by God. And indeed, thirdly, it does not seem that it was economically very successful. We recall that Paul repeatedly throughout the Roman Empire was taking up offerings to bring to the poor saints in Jerusalem. There have been those who have speculated that by this socialistic endeavor, they apparently either impoverished or bankrupted themselves for the next half century. Dr. Charles Hodge, the greatest Presbyterian theologian that America has ever produced, formerly professor of systematic theology at Princeton, he said this, quote, the conditions of the success of this plan on any large scale cannot be found on earth. It supposes that men will labor as assiduously without the stimulus of the desire to improve their condition to secure the welfare of their families as with it. It supposes absolute disinterestedness on the part of the more wealthy, the stronger, and the more able members of the community. They must be willing to forego all personal advantages from their superior endowments. It supposes perfect integrity in the distribution of the money. It further supposes a spirit of moderation and contentment in each member of the community to be satisfied with what others, and not he himself, thinks that he ought to have. The attempt to introduce a general community of goods in the present state of the world, instead of elevating the poor, would reduce the whole mass of society to a common level of barbarism and poverty." Unquote. That is a pretty strong statement. Is it true? Would it or would it not? Well, we have in America, we have seen a perfect, almost laboratory experiment of finding out whether or not this is true. Many people do not realize that America, the land of the free, the land of the free enterprise system, began with socialism. Were you aware of that fact? If not, then I commend to you to read Governor William Bradford's account of the story of Plymouth Plantation. Though they had benevolent ideas, these benevolent ideas were to be disastrous to the community. Therefore, in 1623, Governor Bradford declared that henceforth this experiment in a community of goods, a socialistic experiment, would be abandoned, and every man would receive a parcel of land 
for his own and his own family, and they would work it and take care of their own family. That is the history of America, a lesson that we have all too easily forgotten. Well, what are the adverse effects of this plunge into socialism as it relates to the teachings of the Word of God? Well, first of all, I might say that one of the adverse effects is the breakdown of the family, which is the basic unit of any civilization, and as goes the family, so goes the nation. And I don't know of anything which is more pernicious for the family life than the concept of the state welfare system. Ties that have for centuries bound the generations together have been completely severed. Can you imagine anything more ludicrous than the Waltons on welfare? There is a need which the Bible addresses for the care of people who cannot care for themselves. The care of infants and children, the care of the elderly, the care of the infirm and the sick and those who are unable to care for themselves. But in the Scripture, that res responsibility ever devolves upon the individual and the family and the church and never on the state. But we have thrown off that responsibility and cast it upon the state. We have broken the bonds that bind the family together, and we have gone a long way toward the destruction of the basic unit of civilization in America. And the Bible says that he that provideth not for his own household is, has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And I think that Christian America needs to hear that very clearly today. Secondly, socialism and the welfare state brings about a breakdown in the church. It has been seen in one country after another that where socialism goes up, the spiritual life in the church goes down. What has happened in Russia with the closing of tens of thousands of churches, what has happened even in the non-communist countries where socialism has been rampant, such as, as Sweden or Great Britain, where spiritual life has dropped to close to zero, where in all of Europe, Nowhere do more than 5% of the people attend church on any given Sunday, and spiritual life is at an all-time low. And if you look at the laws that exist in Sweden, you will see that there are all sorts of socialist laws that hinder the work of the Church of Jesus Christ. If the state is to control the means of production, then the question has to be asked, what is the state going to feel should be done with its basic resources? Will it use its wood and concrete for the building of churches? Will that be high on their priority list? Will they use their paper for the printing of Bibles? 
Will they take their time to train pastors and evangelists? Well, look at any socialist state, and you will get a clear answer to those questions. Thirdly, there is a breakdown in Christian charity. And the great vision given in the Bible of private charity is destroyed. And my friends, one thing we ought to understand is that there is no moral or spiritual merit involved at all in having somebody coerce you at gunpoint and take something away from you and give it to somebody else. Nobody has ever thought that the rich people that Robin Hood robbed and gave their money to the poor, that those rich people were somehow spiritually advancing in the act of having their goods confiscated from them and given to somebody else. There must be the motivation of voluntary giving or else there is no spiritual aspect to the deed at all. Today, the state takes such a large portion of the income of people that there is little bit left for the for private charity in our country today. And fourthly, there is an adverse effect upon the recipients themselves. And I think that there are no greater victims of the welfare system than the welfare recipients. And I believe that we as Christians need to perceive the fact that these people are being spiritually and financially destroyed by the welfare system. God has declared that this life is simply a proving ground, a testing ground for eternity. And how we live our lives here, including how we fill the cultural mandate of God to till the earth, to work, and to do the things that God has given us to do as stewards of God, for which we will be responsible. As we do those things, this will greatly affect how we are seen in the eyes of God. And therefore, as the Bible has clearly said, if any will not work, then let him not eat, because God has created us for the purpose of working. And here are millions of people who have uh, had removed from them the need to work. And this number is increasing almost geometrically. How can a person possibly live a spiritual life before a God who has commanded him to work when all he does is simply receive welfare. And fifthly, there are adverse effects upon the producers in the country who are producing the income that is being given to these others. Obviously, as those that receive welfare have their initiative and their desire to work removed, those who find that they are giving the money to this cause find that their initiative is also diminished and their desire to work. I've talked to people who've told me in September that if they work any more that year, that the government's going to take almost everything they make, and so they're not even working. You see what that does to the productivity of the nation? It drops dramatically. And as taxes have gone up and up in this welfare state, as more and more money is being given away, what happens is the productivity of the nation declines. No, the Bible does not teach socialism. And the adverse effects of it in the long haul are incalculable. What the Bible teaches is freedom. 
and responsibility and work. And we are jettisoning, jettisoning all of these in the socialistic state. And the spiritual effects will be the worst in the end. You know, people get things turned completely upside down. People have lost the biblical concept of working to earn our daily bread. Many have. And yet they have also obtained the erroneous concept that somehow they can get eternal life by working. Yet the Bible teaches that we're to work for the things of this life, but that we could never earn eternal life, that that and that alone is free. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, because he alone had enough to pay for it all. And that, my friends, is free. There may be no free lunch in this world, but thank God that the marriage feast of the Lamb is free and paid for by Christ at an incredible cost on the cross of Calvary and offered to all of those that will place their trust in him and receive him into their heart as Savior and Lord. And when they do that, they will see that this life is a probation and they are called upon by God to work and to produce and to fulfill their probation that they may hear the word of God saying, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. May we pray. Father, open our eyes to the truths that are laid down in the principles of thy word that we may not be led astray by those that would pander to the evil propensities of the human heart. Help us to see that thou hast given us in thy word principles and truths that govern every phase of our lives. And may we not destroy the society that thou hast given to us and the hopes of our children through the folly of men. May we be wise through your word. While we pray it in the name of Christ. Amen. As Dr. Kennedy said, we are to work for the things of this life, but we could never work to earn eternal life. Peace with God in this life and in heaven for eternity is a free gift paid for by Jesus Christ. Have you received this free gift of eternal life? If not, I urge you to not let another day go by. You can pray this prayer with me right now to receive this gift. Lord Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner in thought, in word, and deed. I repent of my sins and ask for your forgiveness. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and for offering me life to the full, both now and for all of eternity. I place my trust in you alone, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, then Jesus Christ says, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I wanna welcome you to the family of God. To help you in your new life with Christ, we wanna send you Beginning Again, the book written by Dr. Kennedy for new believers. It will help you learn how to study the Bible, how to pray, and even how to talk to others about what you have just done. Simply ask for Beginning Again when you write to our address or call our toll-free number, and may God richly bless you. As you have just heard from Dr. Kennedy, in addition to being contrary to biblical principles, socialism is destructive and dangerous.
It destroys liberty and consigns people to servility. Yet, shockingly, a growing number of politicians are running for office in America openly proclaiming explicitly socialist motivations. And young people are flocking to them in droves. An avowed socialist, Senator Bernie Sanders, almost won a major party nomination for President of the United States in 2016. Just last month, two members of the Democratic Socialists of America were sworn in to Congress, and dozens of candidates endorsed by that organization won state and local office in the most recent elections. That's why it is essential to understand the issues at stake and to make sure your children and grandchildren who are being indoctrinated in socialism in school and in the media understand as well. We have a brand new resource for that purpose. It's our new book, Just Off the Presses, called The Coming Socialist Wave, Biblical Answers to Socialist Lies. This important and practical book uncovers the lies of socialism and counters them with biblical truth. The lofty promises of socialism are luring a new generation with the majority of millennials now preferring socialism to capitalism. A deep biblical and historical ignorance in America has prepared the way for such flawed thinking. This new book, The Coming Socialist Wave, Biblical Answers to Socialist Lies, helps correct that. And we will send it to you as our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free 888-332-3069. Or go online to djkm.org. And if you are able to give a generous donation of $50 or more, we will also include a new DVD that we have just produced called What's Wrong with Socialism? Socialism promises goodies for all, but it never delivers. In reality, socialism is out of step with the immutable laws of economics and with the Bible. And you'll see how in this new DVD featuring interviews with Brigitte Gabriel, Dr. Albert Moeller of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and many more, as well as documentary features on the growing plague of socialism, especially among younger Americans, and how we can stop it. The book, The Coming Socialist Wave, Biblical Answers to Socialist Lies, as well as the DVD, What's Wrong with Socialism, are yours as our thanks for your generous donation of $50 or more to help us continue broadcasting biblical truth on issues like this, as well as standing for truth and defending your freedom. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free 888-332-3069 or go online to djkm.org.
I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.